Our reading this morning is from John chapter 14, beginning in the 15th verse. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live. You also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And he will come in him and make our and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If I were going to give a title uh, to this uh, sermon, I would call it What Every Orphan Needs to Know. And it comes really from the center of this reading where Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. And that's what I want us to think about this morning is what does it mean that Jesus would say to us, I'm not going to leave you alone. And he says this in the context of just having told his disciples that he is about ready to leave them. What does every orphan need to know? Uh, a number of years ago, my wife and I went to uh, a place called Bundabugio, which is in the far western uh, side of Uganda, right on the Congolese border. And there's always a lot of border disputes between Uganda <coughs> and uh, the Congo. And um, it was the, in a sense, it was the last stop off between you went in before you went into the Congo. And there were always a lot of truck drivers and, uh, you know people um, moving goods and transportation um, from Uganda to, uh, to the Congo. And um, this was not an easy thing. There were many women who became pregnant from these fellows who were driving the trucks and uh, coming through. The doctors that uh, I worked with, we worked with in uh, Bundabugio, um, were two doctors who had helped to invent a protocol, a new protocol that could be used with women who still who were pregnant, and they could um, they could use this particular form of medicine and learn some things about breastfeeding in a way that would prevent their newborn babies from getting the HIV virus, which they had. And um, it was really a remarkable protocol. It's still used today, and so obviously, I mean, many many babies who would have been born with the virus are no longer born with the virus. And, um, uh, and of course, that's a good thing. But the, um, the women themselves, we would often pray with them um, before or after their medical e exams as they were preparing for birth. And in, we would always say, what, how can we pray for you? And invariably, 
almost invariably, every woman would say, please pray for my baby after I'm gone. Because you see, they all knew they were going to die. And they were going to die probably when their children were, were young, babies, toddlers. And every one of those mothers was deeply concerned about what was going to happen to her orphan child. Many of them, their husbands were gone. Their husbands had taken off. You know, there are 150 million orphans in the world today. That's equal to approximately the 16th largest nation in the world. And in John 14, those are literal orphans, of course, but in John 14, what we see Jesus doing is he uses the word orphan metaphorically. He doesn't use it quite literally. He uses it as a metaphor. In other words, I will not leave you as orphans, he says. Think about how we might use the word orphan metaphorically. You know, 100% of children are orphaned because their parents are not perfect. Even the best of parents leave children with some emotional deficits in a way. And it may be a shock to you young moms and dads out there that you are wonderful parents, but you are not perfect parents. And, and, and in fact, the deficits that we as parents leave to our kids, in some ways, metaphorically speaking, leave them a bit as orphans. Oftentimes in counseling today, you, what, what happens is you go into the counselor's office and they say, why are you, and you begin to talk to them, and they begin to help you understand that there were certain things you didn't get as a child, certain ways in which your parents left you orphaned, even though they loved you. And so many children are left as they grow up without a sense of identity. Now, this is an extre extreme case, perhaps, but we all know kids whose parents we may know, and the kids are just, there's something, something off. They, they don't know who they are, and their identity is always being formed by, by um, others, by the social strata in school, by, the, by urban crime, or by the country club, or by some physical um, uh, reality that they experienced as a, as a young child. Maybe they were very skinny or maybe they were very fat. And something in these children, grew, as they grew up, it, it said to them, I don't know who I am. And what I think I know, I don't like. So many are left without a sense of identity. And when they become adults, they become adults without a sense of identity. And then many of us as adults manufacture identities in order to make up for what we never got as children. So the, the whole world of people, in a sense, of adults is, is framed and shaped by people who are struggling to find out who they are, and they're using their professions, they're using their good looks, they're using their wealth, whatever it is, to begin to form an identity for themselves that they themselves uh, can live with. An orphan who does not know who he or she is can be very isolated wary of getting close to others for fear that they will be rejected. Some are left as orphans because of life's devastations, losses, traumas that they've experienced, 
the tragic loss of their parents, learning, learning as adults that your, your child has a very, very serious disease and it makes you feel all of a sudden alone and desperate and helpless. Or experiencing abuse as a child. We all know of this and I, I pray that not many of you have experienced it, but in a group this size, there are surely some who have. You've experienced abuse as a child and that now is like a trauma that just shapes your whole adult life. Natural disasters, well, they can, you know, they can wipe out homes, communities, and identities. People just are left in, in a terrible situation that they, they certainly do not know where to go or what to do. Wherefore, warfare, which destroys homes and hospitals that are bombed, these are life unraveling events. And in the shock of them, Many people do in fact feel like they are orphans without support, without structure, without hope, without resources. You're suddenly bereft of a sense of belonging. And an orphan can be made to feel utterly alone, even desolate, we might say. That's a strong, but it's a good word, desolate. For some who are Christians or not Christians, there can be such a searing pain that everything in life becomes tasteless at best or excruciatingly painful at worst. So what does every orphan need to know? What they need to know and what this passage tells us is that Jesus understands that many, dare I say, all of us in certain ways and at some times feel some of the things that I have just described. And that these things do not come, as some Christians say, and they say so quite harmfully, because of a lack of faith. I don't know if you've ever been told that. Some difficulty you're in, well, you just haven't had enough faith. That is cruel, really, to say that, and not true. Rather, we have reasonable questions because we live in an unreasonable world. Let me suggest to you a couple of unreasonable questions, just a few of them, excuse me, reasonable questions that we all may have in light of this sense of being orphaned. Where was God when this happened to me? This tragedy, this difficulty, this horrible thing. Where was God? Or this one, where was God when one man in the world can cause such chaos and wanton destruction and death because he is driven by his twisted ego. Where is God in all of this? Or where is God when millions are starved in East Africa in a drought? Or a pandemic kills five and a half million people officially, though the experts tell us that that's probably to be multiplied many times over for an accurate number. And that this leaves old people especially old people, fearful, alone, isolated? Or where is God when our country, the country we love, seems so bitterly divided politically, socially, and in other ways, racially? You know, in, in, in my lifetime, 
and certainly therefore in most of yours, we have never experienced all of these things, let alone all of them at once as we are now. And that in itself, you see, the multiplication, multiplication of things that are going on in our lives and in our world cause many people to feel strange, alone, stressed, orphaned, you might say. When I open my phone in the morning, a news feed is always, always comes on and it says, everything you want to know today. But I think maybe it ought to say everything you don't want to know today. Why does evil seem to triumph over good? And why is it that God seems to have turned his phone on silent mode and doesn't take our calls? I mean, that's a reality that we, we all experience in one way or another. Where is God when depression, anxiety, and fear make me believe that in the end, I'm alone? Now, what I've just been saying for the last five minutes is pretty discouraging. I mean, I don't mean to be a, a, a Debbie Downer, but really these are things that people live with. And particularly, as I said, in today's world where it seems like so much is going wrong. The reason I think I began this way is because I think we need to understand the worst before we can really appreciate the best. First, John is saying that Jesus is telling us he will never leave us alone. And that Jesus understands, he understands that many, dare I say all of us, feel these things at one time or another. And therefore John 14 tells us, Jesus says, let your heart not be troubled. I will not leave you as orphans. That's an amazing promise. An amazing promise that if we think about it is so profoundly necessary in this time and in our own lives. The Lord, though, he knows that his apostles and we, we don't necessarily understand what this means. <clears throat> Perhaps the apostles feel like we feel when we've lost someone we love and someone comes up to us and says, well, she has gone to a better place. Well, that's good, but what about we, us, who are here, stuck in this place, and we'll miss her? And here's another one that is true, but and said with a desire to help. You will see her again. Yes, but that kind of comfort sometimes seems so remote. It seems detached from this particular moment of grief. I will not leave you as orphans, Jesus says. I will send someone to be with you. This is a huge promise. Please, Jesus, I'm not even sure I know what that means. Please, Jesus, I, I know that you speak only the truth, but don't say these things to me if they're just kind words. But you see, Jesus speaks to our deepest fears in his own humanity, in his own being a man. He understands what all of our fears and all of our hurts and all of our sense of being alone is like. 
He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Well, who is this helper? His name is Holy Spirit. And note I did not say here, the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the article is there in the original language in which the New Testament was written, and sometimes it's not. But the point is, you see, that, that the Holy Spirit is not a thee. He's a person. He's Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a helper. What does Jesus mean by helper? The original word, again, is tr that is translated helper is, is a Greek word, Paraclete. Para means what? Alongside, like parallel, right? Para, alongside. And clete comes from the verb kaleo, to call. So the helper is someone who is called to be at our side. He's called, kleo, to para with us, to be along our side. And, and different translations of the Bible the ones you even have here this morning with you, perhaps, these translations use different words for paraclete. Some say counselor. Some use the word advocate. He's an advocate. Some say comforter. The helper is a comforter who will come and comfort you. Or others say a friend. These words are describing the Holy Spirit who will be with us forever, Jesus says. The Holy Spirit will be at our side, giving to us counseling, advocacy, comfort, and being close to us as a friend. These are the very things, aren't they? These are the very things that Jesus was with his apostles. And aren't these the very things we need Jesus to be for us? Counselor. Advocate, he speaks for us, or comforter, or friend. You know, think of it this way, if you will, that <clears throat> a counselor is one who speaks to you. An advocate is one who speaks for you. A comforter is one who speaks in you. And a friend is one who speaks with you. What does every orphan need to know? What does every hurt person, a person who's alone, a person who's been damaged by life, by their own upbringing, by whatever, what does every one of these people need to know? That he or she has been paracletized. And that, that the one that Jesus is calling to be to my side is the Holy Spirit. And in his office, you see, he's refers to, he is referred to as the Holy Spirit. That is in his role, in his office, just as God the Father is called the Father in his role. God the Son is called the Son in his role. But they are all Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They are people. They are persons, we would say. Here, here if I may... Here are four things that Jesus tells us in this passage about the Holy Spirit, the paraclete who is coming alongside of us. And I think honestly, as I think about my own life, the things I fear, the things I, I, um, the things I feel I am the object of some 
some force that's going on in the world that is not pretty. The things that I, un I, I understand about myself that I don't understand about myself. Here are some things I need to know about the Holy Spirit, and maybe you do too. The first thing about the Holy Spirit is that every orphan needs to know is that he is the spirit of truth. As John says here, the work of the Holy Spirit is to take what the Father and the Son say and to make the truth of it all shine in our hearts so that we don't just hear and acknowledge the truth, but we are held fast by the strong words of Jesus. That's a, think about that phrase, if you will, held fast. Have you ever been reading the Bible and all of a sudden you are arrested by a certain phrase, something that just just jumps out at you, and you feel you could say, I'm held fast by this word. It grips me. It takes me. It owns me. And it moves me to a better place. That's the word of truth that the Holy Spirit gives us. He tells us the truth about God and about ourselves. But he doesn't just tell us facts. He tells us the meaning of the truth. The Holy Spirit is not a celestial Google that links us up to heaven.com. He doesn't just bring us things that we ought to know. He's not a set of answers about why I'm an orphan or why sad and bad things happen in the world. Remember, he is a person who comes alongside of us and brings Jesus to us and into us. And his purpose is not to give us answers to all our questions, but to be with us forever until Jesus returns. You know, when, um, when we are troubled by, by various questions, sometimes we need a friend just to be with us. One time, many years ago, I was in, in the home after the funeral of a teenage uh, boy who had taken his own life. And you can imagine how devastated his parents were. His father was, was all alone, standing at one point. And, and so I went over, and I, I just felt this overwhelming awkwardness. As you can imagine, what do I say? How do I say it? What, what, what in the world can be said to this man? So I, I fumbled around, and I said a few awkward things. And then I sort of turned and made like I was going to walk away. And he said, Skip, Skip, don't leave. Please, just stay with me. You see, he didn't need my words. He needed my presence. The Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of truth, he is a truthful person. Do you see? In a sense, there's a difference. One is speaking it truthful facts. The other is a person who is truth, deeply truthful. Don't you say it about some people, he's really real. She's really an authentic person. That's who the Holy Spirit is, a truthful person. So that the truth he brings is more like wisdom than it is a set of facts. When I was in college, I used to walk every day, almost every day for four years. On my way to class, I would walk through a gate. And the gate would say, enter these gates and grow in wisdom. And every day I walked, I said, am I growing in wisdom? And I concluded I was not. I was growing in knowledge, but not in wisdom. 
You see, wisdom is something that happens when the truth gets pushed down into the messiness and the hurt of our lives, like a French press that makes coffee. Truthfulness is like wisdom, and that surely we need someone to bring that to us. So the first thing that an orphan needs to know about the Holy Spirit is that he's the spirit of truth. The second thing that Jesus tells us about the Holy Spirit is that he gives us the strength, the power to obey the commands of Jesus. Whoever has my commands, he says in verse 21, and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and reveal myself to him. Now, I have to say something very, very important here. Please remember this. Whoever has my commands and keeps them, he it is who loves me and he will be loved by my father. It, he is not saying that keeping his commands is the condition for our knowing Jesus. That's very, very important. We do not earn our, our knowledge of Jesus. We do not earn what he did for us on the cross. No, he is saying that the result of our knowing Jesus, the consequence of our being new people in Christ, in whom the Holy Spirit dwells, the result of that is that we will obey his commandments and we won't just obey them out of duty. Oftentimes we obey them out of love. We want to obey his commandments. And, and this is really amazing. The commandments that Jesus refers to in this larger passage in John 14 through 17, which is called his, his last discourses or his last conversation with his disciples, the main commandment that is repeated three times in these chapters is what? Love one another. It's really amazing. Jesus is saying, through the Holy Spirit in us, that the one thing orphans don't have is love. And that's what they desperately want. And the one, that's the one thing they are to give away to others. How can that be? The one thing that we don't have, we are commanded to give away. When Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, comes alongside of us, when he paracletes us, and he is with us, and he is in us, he loves us with the same love the Father has for him. That's what Jesus says through the Holy Spirit. And then he tells us to love one another with that same love. You see, it's not as if I feel all loved by God or by Jesus and then I go out and in my own energy and strength, I try and love other people. It's not it. It's the same love with which I am loved that I now extend to others who need that love. I, I honestly don't remember whether I told you this illustration the last time I was here, but I may have because it's my favorite illustration about almost everything in that I, would, that I would ever preach, and it involves Mother Teresa. You know, Mother Teresa, Sisters of Charity in Calcutta. <clears throat> there was a monastery like the Sisters of Charity next to, um, uh, to um, the Sisters of Charity, and one day a monk came to Mother Teresa and said uh, to her, Mother, my life is a mess. I don't get to do what I want to do. 
I don't get to do what I feel I'm called to do. The, the superior in my order makes me uh, obey all these silly rules. The government makes me fill out all this paperwork. I don't get to do what I'm called to do. And Mother Teresa said, brother, what are you called to? And he said, well, I'm called to care for the poor. And she said, oh, no, you're not called to care for the poor. You're called to know how much Jesus loves you and to love other people with the overflow of that love. Do you see that? Love is not something we manufacture. It's not something we, that is trumped up in us. It's actually something that we give away from what we have received. It's like our lives become the, 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 um, the flowing of love through our hearts from the Lord to other people. That's an amazing thing to think about when we think about loving one another. So the first thing an orphan needs to know about the Holy Spirit is that he is the spirit of truth. Second person, the second thing that Jesus tells us about the Holy Spirit is that he, he gives us the strength and the power to obey the commands of Jesus, especially the command to love one another. The third thing that every orphan needs to know is that Jesus himself became an orphan who was the most desolate man of all time. Hear me now on this. Jesus became an orphan. He was one who was left without a sense of belonging. He was desolate. This is what happened to him on the cross. The eternal belonging and love that Jesus had always known with the Father was in one horrible moment gone. And we can only appreciate that when we begin to try and get our minds around something, we can't get our minds around it. And that is that God the Father and God the Son had been with each other in love from all of eternity. And all of a sudden that love is broken. It's gone. Why? How can I say that? Because Jesus himself says it on the cross. My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? This is the only time that Jesus calls his father God. It's not that it's wrong to call him God, but he always speaks of him as my father because that is the intimacy. That is where the, the, the uh, person-to-person reality of their relationship is gone. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it is slammed by nails into the, into the flesh of Jesus, and he is disowned. He is orphaned. Now, some of you may think, I need to just correct something real quickly if I could. Some of you think, well, really it doesn't matter because Jesus knew that in just a couple days he was going to be raised again. So it really doesn't matter, does it? Jesus knew that. No, he didn't. I would say to you that in the mystery of the human and divine um, natures of Jesus. In his humanity, he did not know that he would be rescued. In his humanity, he may well have thought that he was going to be eternally separated from his God. That's how bad the cross was. And he felt perhaps he was going to be orphaned forever. In this moment of desolation, he had no reason to think otherwise. And with that cry of dereliction, why have you forsaken me? The eternal withness of belonging 
to the love of the Father, the holy intimacy that they had were unthinkably smashed. And all of our questions, all of our whys are taken up in that one horrible why. Why did God do this to his son? Now, I know that may seem a bit abstract, but what I want you to say and understand, what I want you to see, if you will, is that Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, draws us to understand that all the worst that can ever happen to us, all of that is only understood when we stand before Jesus at the cross. And I'm not even going to say to you that when we see how much Jesus suffered, then we see, no, it's not that. It's just that contemplating the cross of Christ somehow changes the whole way I think about all my whys and about all the whys of what's going on in a broken world. And I hope this doesn't sound fantasiful to you, but when you're struggling with your wives, your wives, not your wives, you may do that too, but when you're struggling with your wives, go before the cross, meditate on the cross of Jesus. Think about who he is as he dies for you on that cross, forsaken by his father. Would you meditate on that a little? And you will see that your heart and your mind change as you begin to answer the inevitable whys that come to us. Jesus was left alone at the cross so that we would not ever be alone. He was orphaned so that we would not be orphaned. And when you are orphaned, you need to immerse yourself in the person who was orphaned more than anyone else who ever lived so that you and I can be brought out of the orphanage and into the family of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and you. There's one last thing that an orphan needs to know, and then, then I'll, I'll be done. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. Every orphan needs to know that the Holy Spirit gives strength and power to obey the commands of Jesus. Every orphan needs to know that Jesus himself became an orphan for us. And then this, the Holy Spirit will completely change you. He will completely change you, not all at once, but slowly over time. And in many experiences, including the bad and the sad ones, the Holy Spirit changes us so that we become more like Jesus. But not just like Jesus, we become one with Jesus. Verse 17 says, he dwells with you and will be in you. Think about that. With you and in you. I sometimes think that, that our relationship with Jesus is best described in prepositions. With, in. We, we, are, we are taken up by Jesus to be one with him. You know, it's been said that God loves us just the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. And that's true, isn't it? We are transformed inwardly and then outwardly by the Holy Spirit because he won't leave us as we were. He will come to us. 
And out of his infinite love, he will disturb us and he will rearrange the pieces of who we are. And he will change our loves and he will change our attitudes and he will change what is most important to us. That's what the Holy Spirit does in the name of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is with us and in us. This is like, as I've intimated, it's like the witness and the inness that Jesus has with the Father and that the Father has with the Son and that they both have with the Holy Spirit. God, the three in one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, have communion, communion, common union. That is, they belong to each other. They love being together. They are each other's counselor, advocate, comforter, and friend. Think about that. God the Father counsels God the Son. God the Son advocates for God the Holy Spirit. They all are friends to each other, if I can put it that way. Imagine that. You see, orphans don't just need to know that they belong, that they are loved. We need to know that we are caught up in the love of the Holy Trinity. We need to know that we are caught up in the same love that God the Father has for God the Son and for the Holy Spirit. The very life of the Holy Trinity is the source of our new life in Christ. And the very life of the Holy Trinity doesn't just change our minds. He changes us. So that in our beings, in the very deepest places of who we are, we are able to hear the words of Jesus and we are able to do what he says. The Apostle Paul, in, in one of his letters in Ephesians, he says this, I pray that God may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit, his Holy Spirit, in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That's my prayer for me. That's my prayer for you. May you be strengthened in the inner person by the Holy Spirit so that we might know that Jesus dwells in our hearts and that he has not left us as orphans. Elsewhere, Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. No, never, never. Never. And that is the answer to every question we will always ever have is not why, but who. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Where sin runs deep, your grace is more. Where grace is found, where you
Oh